TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome in on this sunny Tuesday afternoon. Happy to have you with us. John Grayson out on vacation this week. So we're hanging out today. Uh, coming up, uh, so this was fast, but it helps that lawmakers are in session A bill has been introduced that is a direct reaction to the shooting that happened at the Chiefs rally last week. We will talk more about what lawmakers are looking at. We'll get to that here coming up. I wanted to start this hour with a story out of Fox 4 uh, because it is worth a discussion now about the best place and where you keep your important documents and the stuff that we used to, or some still do, put in a safe deposit box. Um, Documents, birth certificate, marriage certificate, social security card, cash, whatever that stuff is, where you don't want to have it in your house, you want to keep it in a safe place. I didn't know until I read the story that banks are increasingly getting rid of safe deposit boxes. They're just not in that business as much anymore. And so if not there, where are you keeping that stuff? Because the story of what happened to this KCK woman is, a, is you would imagine this would not happen very often, but it's a pretty good lesson in this. So her name is Sandra Owens, and she kept things like the deed to her house and the title to her car in a safe deposit box. And the story goes back to December when she got a letter from her bank saying that the branch where her safe deposit box was located had closed and her box had been moved to a new location. So she gets that letter a few days later. She goes to that new location to check, see exactly where the safe deposit boxes are in that location. And that's when she was told by an employee the box, the entire box, was missing. And they didn't know where it was. And this became quite the mess. Uh, Owen said she was told by the bank employee Maybe you came in and got your box and you don't remember that she might have taken that box and taken it with her and not brought it back. So this woman gets her sister involved and the two of them try to figure it out and they call KCK police. KCK police say they can't make a theft report because there's no evidence of a crime, which is the problem, except that the box is missing. That's the evidence of the crime. Uh, And if you want to call 913-586-7798, I think we had phone lines ringing there for a second. Um, So there's no evidence of a crime. So they can't make a theft report. So Fox 4 gets involved and we're trying to get a hold of Dave McGuinn, who's the president of the safe deposit specialists, who says he's got other cases going like that. He's a former banker that says That, yeah, some institutions, some banks are not great at keeping track 
of safe deposit boxes. And that that just baffles me that you um, that you that's the whole point is the safe deposit box. She eventually found it. And we'll get to some of the stuff that he said about how to keep your stuff stay, uh, how to keep your stuff safe. She eventually got to the bottom of it. Um, she got her safe deposit box back from the Bank of Labor and that eventually the senior vice president of that bank made it his personal mission to find it. And so he called her. He said somehow, and they don't know how, but somehow the box was left behind in the bank um, that was closed. It was still locked in the bank branch on Minnesota Avenue in KCK. It, it just never moved. And nobody noticed that it had never moved. And so a bank spokesperson said some of the confusion was about the fact that she had multiple family members with legal access to the box. That's why they first thought one of her family members had taken it. Again, it's called a safe deposit box. So how are banks not keeping better track of where they are? I don't have one. Um, I, quite frankly, now I'm asking myself the question about where to put some of those important documents versus where I put them now. Um, but my mom has one um, with just important things in it that you would put in a safe deposit box. My name is on that box. She and I went and when my stepdad passed, we went and we put my name on that box. And so I have been into it. And my understanding, at least where she banks, is that there are two keys. She couldn't just walk out with it. That she has a key to it and the bank has a key to it and you've got to get both keys. And so you go into it, they open the room for you and you go into the room and then you need both keys to take the box out. I'm having a hard time imagining a situation where she could just walk out with that box. I mean, I guess it's possible. I guess they don't patrol that very well. They wouldn't be getting their key back and then they would know, hey, we're missing a key and they would know then that that's where the box is. But I... I there's a lot of stuff in the story about how banks just don't do a great job of, of keeping track of your safe deposit boxes. So it seems like those are becoming less popular. If you don't use one, what are you using instead? Um, we'll get to your calls. I think a lesson that's coming in on the text line as well is that you don't need to keep copies of the things that you think you need to keep copies of anymore because a lot of that stuff is accessible electronically or you can get those records from county county offices and that kind of thing if you were to need to but a lot of people do a lot of people still keep that stuff 913-586-7798 mike has called us out of topeka hey mike hey hey guys um so a few years ago um we had a total loss house fire we lost everything oh wow um and ever since then thankfully um we didn't lose any important documents in that fire it was it was mainly um smoke damage to the house um but because of that it kind of opened our eyes to we need to protect this stuff you know from future uh, catastrophes and stuff so um along with you know keeping my firearms safe uh, we have a, a safe for that but we also have a fireproof safe for all of our important documents that we keep everything in there um, but then we've also started digitizing everything yeah. and we have portable hard drives that uh, my girlfriend has a copy and i have a copy um, they're both uh, encrypted so you have to have you know uh, a special password in order to access any of the files on it um, but that way we have multiple forms of redundancy in case something ever happens to her copy. I have a backup and vice versa. Uh, you may not know the answer to this question. And if not, that's okay. But I'm asking myself, what are, what digital versions of which documents are acceptable if you've lost the real thing? 
that might sound confusing, but like I have a passport app that if I yeah. lose my passport, the official passport on my passport app still works. Is there right. a version of your birth certificate that can be used that way? Because I think a lot of us, what we would do, this is tax time. I'm getting my taxes done this afternoon. And so I've gone through and taken pictures of a lot of documents. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good for my records, but for official reasons, a lot of times that stuff doesn't count. Right. Well, I think at least in in, in my experience, uh, when I've had to replace, uh, like, for example, my birth certificate before in the past, I did have a, a photocopy of it. And I was able to take that to the Office of Vital Statistics, and that helps make the process of replacing it easier. So I do think that, you know, anything that you have to, to help document all of your stuff, yeah. the more you have, the better. Okay, and so the, having, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, keep going. I was just going to say, you know, and having the, the multiple uh, redundancies help as well. That way you don't have to worry about one getting lost, and then, you know, you don't even have your digital backup. The concern about the fireproof box is that somebody is just going to steal the box out of your house. So when I say fireproof box, yeah, there are the little ones that, yes, someone could just grab and and run with. I'm talking like full size. Like ours is six foot tall, three foot wide. Got it. Okay. Um, Yeah, moving those out. And they're not terribly expensive. When I got mine, I think it was like 700 bucks. um, And I got it with a 20% off coupon. Um, I got it from Dick's Sporting Goods. Uh, That was probably four or five years ago. Um, so if you just watch for sales, you can get a, an actual full-size safe for fairly cheap, and they really are worth the investment, you know, that peace of mind and knowing that your stuff is going to be safe um, from any kind of major catastrophe like that. I appreciate it. It's really good information, Mike. Thanks a lot for getting in. Uh, we appreciate it. Yeah, a lot of you are concerned about that. That's what some of you were saying on the text line is the fireproof safe can be picked up and carried out. In fact, somebody just said have them off-site somewhere other than your home. Where? Where am I? I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking if I were to have a and I don't have one and I should. Where am I putting that? If where are you putting a fireproof safe that's not your house where you trust? I mean, a family member, I guess. If I don't have family in town, uh, where are you putting that fireproof safe so that nobody can take it? At the end of the day, if somebody really wants to take it, they can. I mean, if you're going to bolt it to the floor, they can they can undo the bolts. There are probably ways to open safes. And all that kind of thing. Um, I do think the digital version is the way to go. But, like, if you're keeping cash, where are you keeping cash? (laughs) It seems silly, but I I sort of want to go back to the conversation that we had about just keeping that stuff in a place in your house that a burglar wouldn't think to look. Not in a safe, but in just a creative place that no one would think to look. 913-586-7798. Kyle's next up out of KCK. Hey, Kyle. Hi there. Uh, nice to meet you. You too. I actually have an idea about how to keep uh, precious documents safe without using a direct deposit box. Let's hear it. Okay. So there's there are those that do use uh, fireproof uh, safes, I think. But there are those out there who don't exactly have a lot of money to pay for those boxes. What I use is a fireproof, fireproof sleeve. You know, those... Uh, ones that look like to be the size of, for ones for official documents, for like an offices and cabinets. Uh, it's, called, uh, it's called a sleeve? Is that what you said? Yeah, a, a fireproof sleeve. It's the type where you, uh, you zip it up and seal it up shut, kind of like those folders. Okay. Okay, I've never heard of that, but it sounds reasonable that that would exist. How do you yeah. make sure nobody walks off with it? Oh, that's an easy one, actually. Um, most people would uh, would look in very common places to 
the steel, the uh, the sleeves in question. But the best thing you could do is uh, hide it in a place that most people wouldn't suspect looking in the first place. Do you have suggestions of places like that? Well, my best uh, guess for me, since I do live on my own, living far away from my boyhood home, I do keep my stuff, uh, my precious document sleeve, uh, in my utility closet underneath some clutter so that no one would think twice looking there looking for precious documents. Okay. I won't ask you for the other ones because I don't want to reveal more than you want to, but I have never heard of the sleeve. I will definitely look it up. Well, I don't know the top of my head what the name of that sleeve is called, but if you start a Google re- uh, search result for like a fireproof uh, sleeve, there are some out there. Uh, I think I had mine for like several years, I believe. But the only reason I have it, though, isn't for uh, for theft prevention or to make sure to prevent things from burning down. I actually always had uh, problems holding on to those documents because I always use them whenever I do my tax returns, which is currently at the now time, as it turns out. Right. Okay, Kyle, thanks a bunch. We'll uh, we'll take a look online and see what we can find. If you want to get in, 913-586-7798. Again, if you're not, if, if we can't rely on safe deposit boxes anymore or as they are going away, it sounds like credit unions are starting to offer those more, but banks are using them less. What are you doing with your, your important stuff? If you're on hold, uh, hang on here. We'll get to your calls next on KMBZ. Talk about the story out of Fox 4. Uh, you have a woman out of KCK who had kept her stuff, her important documents, the deed to her house, that kind of thing, in a safe deposit box. And then she got a letter from her bank saying, uh, we have moved. We have closed that branch. Your safe deposit box is now at this place. And then she goes to that place and the safe deposit box didn't make it. And it, it, for a while, she didn't know exactly where it was. They finally figured out it had never moved from the original location. What we learned out of the process is that fewer banks are offering safe deposit boxes at all. Credit unions are starting to offer them more, but banks are offering them less. And so we were asking the question, that used to be the the fail-safe, that that's where you could keep your extra cash or you could keep an extra copy of your birth certificate or marriage certificate or whatever you needed to have. If those aren't being offered as much anymore, where do you keep that stuff? 913-586-7798. Ashley called us up out of KC. Hello. Hey, hey, Jamie. Um, this is for cash, and it, it's what I did when I was in college. I would take a box of tampons. You can see the tampons out, put the cash in the bottom. Love it. A piece of paper on the top, put the tampons in there. That's awesome. Because, yeah, well, most most uh, burglaries happen by guys, so I figured they don't even want to hear the word tampon. <laughs> As far away from that as they can ever stay, they will. Exactly. So that was what I did. And then my stepdad taught me to get a thing of roll-on deodorant, pop the little ball out of the top of it, rinse it out, and put your money in there, and then put the top, the little ball back in there. Because if, if it's the right size deodorant, then your money won't rattle around in there. But when they shake it, it'll sound like a swishing noise, like there's liquid. Oh, that's awesome. These are really good ideas. So those are because people don't want to touch somebody else's hygiene product. That's a good. Now you got me thinking about other stuff like that that you would add. Yeah, the, the tampon box is a fantastic, absolutely brilliant idea. Yep. Um, so, and and if worse comes to worse, if you get the ones with the resealable package, you can roll dollar bills up and put them inside the applicators. So that's what I was thinking. Is that you yep. could you could actually use the actual plastic? 
Yeah, and that was what I did when I traveled. I went to Vegas, and it was kind of a, a crapshoot as to if I'd get one with the money in it or not. <laughs> but but it was kind of a fun little game I was playing with myself, so it worked. Uh, yeah, you'd have to somehow. I mean, worst case is you open one that's got the money in it, but yeah, you'd have a have a way to know and to like not throw the box out or anything. Yeah, yeah, that's a danger of things of, you know, other female guests or a roommate or something. But I never ended up having that problem because we all used our own. So it wasn't an issue. But that's how I did it. And I never got my money stolen. Fantastic idea. I love it. Thanks a lot, Ashley. Appreciate you getting in. Thanks a bunch. A couple of you have asked about the passport app that I mentioned. Um, It is called the Mobile Passport Control. And if you Google it, it comes up on the website for the U.S. Customs and Border Protection Department. And it's an app that you put on your phone and it allows, I don't know if everybody can do it, but I would assume if you can get a passport, then you can use the mobile control app. But you submit your travel document, so your passport, your photo, and your customs declaration through the app. And um, what I would say is it doesn't replace your passport, but if your passport is lost or something happens to it, you can use the app instead. Um, This is a whole conversation that would be hours at another time. But anymore, when you're going through airports, I've had to show my passport less and less and less than I ever did before because now they use biometrics in a way that they never used to before. Or you just show your ID and it connects somehow in a way I probably don't want to know. But that's an that's an official app through the federal government that is is the one you put on your phone and then you just scan that. And it's just faster in, in trying to get through security when you use the app than having to pull out your passport. So that is what that one is called. All right, we'll take a break here. Uh, we'll be back in just a few minutes on KMBZ. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device. Credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy. The tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Phone number here nine one three five eight six seven seven nine eight. A couple of price increases to talk about here. Um, Costco has sort of given an update about when they are going to raise prices um, for their membership. So they haven't done it in a long time. Uh, They are, I guess you could say they're overdue. They tend to raise membership fees every five to six years, and they have not raised their membership prices since 2017. 
So they're they're at a point now where it's time to do it. And they did an earnings call. The CEO did to talk a little bit more about it. And he said, yeah, uh, who is this that they were talking to? Galanti is his last name. Uh, he said, uh, it's a matter of when, not if. He said, if you if you look at what's going on right now, what are the variables that we should look at? It really is conditions are in place for them to make the move. They have not said how much they would raise it. And I don't know um, if you've been a Costco member a lot longer than I have, which wouldn't take much because I just joined a few weeks ago. How much do they generally raise it? Again, it's 60 bucks right now for that base membership, that gold membership. That's what I've got. I know there's a higher one. Um, But how much do they generally raise it? What they have said is that, listen, we we held out for as long as we could. Um, they thought they, they said year over year inflation has been lower than what we expected it to be. They said our estimate for the quarter that just ended inflation was zero to one percent. And they're getting credit. And this is out of the street dot com. Oh, it's the chief financial officer, Richard Galanti, uh, who steps down March 15th. I guess he can be transparent now if he wants to be. But basically, they don't want to lose members. <laughs> and so they're being as open as they can about the reasons why now is time to raise their membership fees and what they're basing that decision on because they don't want anybody to drop. 60% of their members are on an auto renewal anyway. And so I think a lot of people, um, a lot of people who do auto renewals on anything, that auto renewal kicks in. And maybe there's a price increase, but you didn't open the email from Costco or you didn't open the letter in the mail that that told you it was going to go from 60 to 70 bucks or whatever it is. Um, And so who knows exactly when it's going to happen. They said they're also like they're talking more about um, the younger people are buying less. But as they get older in that 40 to 55-year-old range, that's their sweet spot, they say. Um, That makes sense just in terms of uh, I live alone and I have a hard time. I do a lot of comparison shopping uh, because I'm a little bit of a dork like that. But I got a Costco membership based on gas price. Just did the math on how much gas I buy in a year. And just based on that alone, it was going to be worth the 60 bucks a year. And then I looked at what gift cards they sell and how you can get $100 worth of gift cards for 80 bucks in all these things. And I thought, oh, well, if I just buy that three times, that pays for the membership. But I think a lot of people who are younger don't have the space to put the stuff that you buy in bulk and just don't need that much of all that stuff. So it makes sense to me that that's kind of their sweet spot. And that age group, that 40 to 50, 55 year old age group isn't going to care. I, I don't know at what point you raise that membership fee to a level where that demographic is going to say, I'm not going to shop at Costco anymore, but I bet they could double it. And people would say they still want to go because I think a lot of people just go for, for the experience and some of the prepared foods that you can get. And they don't, they're not doing the math as much like I am. A lot of people just like the fact that they can go. So just keep an eye out. That may, uh, that may be coming soon here with Costco. And then American Airlines, we talked about recently, was going to cut about 600 jobs as they restructure their customer service setup. Now, in a way that's going to help that, uh, they announced that they are going to raise the price of their check bag. It Once this goes into effect, it will be more on American Airlines to check a bag than on any other airline. Uh, right now, it's 30 bucks for you to check a bag, whether you pay for it ahead of time online or if you wait until you get to the airport. 
Uh, they announced the price of the first check bag on most flights is going up to 40 bucks if you didn't prepay online. It'll cost 35 if you pay online during check-in. And again, right now it's 30 bucks for both methods. Uh, flights between the U.S., Puerto Rico, and U.S. Virgin Islands are all affected by the price increase. They also increased the price of a second check bag to $45 from $40. Bucks. Um, this is what I, I predict this is what you're going to start to see more. I'm, I'm waiting to see what comes out of Alaska Airlines, uh, what they end up doing with prices based on how much money they lost when the plug fell out, when the door fell out of the airplane, because they just lost so much money. And, and I don't fly Alaska. I've never flown Alaska Airlines to know what their average prices are. But I, I don't and I don't know how long it takes for those prices to to be reflected. But just wait. Um, we're still in a in a high demand travel time. And so we'll wait and see exactly what some of these other airlines decide to do. But now that American Airlines is raising their check bag fees, that sort of gives the green light for other airlines to do the same. Uh, Speaking of prices and economics, there was news out this morning that Capital One is buying Discover. Uh, That makes Capital One, they move up in the rankings in terms of bank size. We'll talk more about how that affects you next here on KMBZ. Happy to have you back with us here on this Tuesday. Uh, There has been a ton of financial news out just this morning. Uh, We saw the story about how Capital One is buying Discover. That would make it as one bank, one of the biggest banks that we've got. A ton of other news today about jobs, mortgage rates going up. We've got companies that are cutting costs. And to help give us some insight uh, is economist Chris Keel from Armada Corporate Intelligence. Chris, we appreciate you coming on kind of at the last minute here. Yeah, no problem. Thanks a bunch. Okay, tell me about this merger, this deal between Capital One and Discover. How big of a deal is it and how significant is this merger? Well, it's significant that it isn't. I mean, you're seeing a lot of consolidation in the financial sector. And what it comes down to is that the credit card companies are doing the same thing everybody else is doing, which is trying to maximize their reach and take advantage of economies of scale and all that good stuff that comes with mergers and acquisitions. I don't think it's going to have a big impact on the consumer. There's still alternatives um, to who's got control of your, your credit card. So it's not likely to have much of an impact on competitiveness. Um, it just means that there's going to be maybe one less <clears throat> player uh, in the in the firmament, but you're seeing a lot of it in bank consolidation. You're just seeing a lot of the financial sector just trying to be more efficient, um, more technological, taking advantage of all the different innovations as far as, as consumer credit is concerned. The big issue is that we have a lot of it. I mean, we're currently sitting at about $7 trillion in credit card debt collectively and about 20 trillion dollars in overall debt so whoever we're using capital one or discover we're using it a lot i have to be honest um i use a lot of credit cards to my advantage i'm one of those people that pays them off every two weeks and takes advantage of the points of miles and i never carry a balance and that kind of thing a capital one comes up a lot when i look i don't know of anybody that talks about having a discover card it's relatively rare. They were making a run at it a few years back, trying to compete with Visa and MasterCard and all the others. And they've always struggled to kind of break into that upper tier. And I think this is kind of an acknowledgement of that, that 
that they're definitely behind the bigger players. But, I mean, there's a lot of people that, that carry multiple credit cards. I mean, they're going to have whatever they have in order to take advantage of whatever the offers they're, they're doing, looking for better rates or, you know, maybe it's because I kind of do the same thing. I use my card for business purposes, and it's one of those rewards cards. So periodically I replace my laptop. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, gosh, yeah, we could spend all day talking about it and I won't, uh, I won't, but, but I, I find it fascinating. And so one of the things I'm curious about then, I looked this morning at the list of the biggest banks and I'm like, yep, I've got that card and I've got that card and Chase is mm-hmm. on that list and U.S. Bank is on that list and Citibank is on there. One of the things I look for when I get a credit card is what kind of signup bonus they're offering. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. one has to assume that with fewer credit card companies, there will be less competition and less of a need to offer those. Well, a little bit, uh, but honestly, what they're trying to do is get people to add a credit card. So you'll still have those signing bonuses because even though you and I pay them off and, and don't seemingly make any money for the credit card people, they're making money off the merchants that we use. I mean, I use the majority of my credit card for my travel. So my airline tickets and hotels and all that stuff, well, the credit card company isn't making any money off me, but right. they're making it off the hotels and the airport and all that stuff. So it's it's just enticing people to keep as much plastic around as possible, right? <laughs> so, which is usually not a big, big challenge with the U.S. It's like, wait a minute, I'm not broke. I can pay my visa with my MasterCard. So, right. You mentioned $7 trillion in credit card debt. I assume that number is going up, and what's driving Mm it? Well, it's basically people that are keeping up on whatever their spending habits were, even if they're dealing with inflation, even if they're dealing with with an interruption in some of their income. The bottom line is is that we're still looking at very, very low unemployment rates. So people are still employed. As long as they're employed, they don't really take a good look at what their month-to-month expenses are. They're just kind of like, well— I can afford the minimum payment, I can afford whatever I'm doing, and I'm confident in my job, so I'm just going to keep spending. And an awful lot of credit card use also is convenient. I mean, people don't carry much cash anymore. A lot of the merchants really don't know what to do with cash. And so people just get in the habit of, particularly when you're doing all the self-serve stuff, and, and well, you know, you go to a kiosk at an airport and it's like you can either stand in line or just use the self-checkout which requires a card speaking of jobs uh there were a couple of different stories this morning that to me were a little concerning when it comes to jobs one was there was a report i think it was out of cnbc about how 24 2024 will be the year of companies cutting costs and you just wonder how exactly they're going to do that i want to talk about that and then i want to talk about ai which has been in the back of my mind for a while about what jobs AI is going to be replacing. But are you seeing companies looking at cutting costs, I guess, more than usual this year? Well, they are, but they're probably not going to be able to do much when it comes to labor because the labor shortage is still extremely acute. I mean, I'm at a conference today where everybody was saying we cannot find people. If we find them, we have to poach them from somebody else, and and then we have to hope that we don't lose our own people to poaching. So it's unlikely that you'll see a lot of layoff activity or companies cutting costs when it comes to labor. What 
are doing is trying to figure out how to use technology to make up for that worker shortage. So as they're experiencing attrition, they're getting their older workers retiring, they can't find replacements, and so they're looking at using technology. AI is certainly playing a role in that. AI is just now kind of emerging from the toy status to something more substantial. I mean, at first it was like, wow, I can write a term paper with my AI program. Mm -hmm. Now it's like, okay, what routine task can I assign AI? The more that we start to look at it, we realize some of the limitations. I mean, the biggest limitation is AI can only function on the basis of what has happened. So it's past looking. It doesn't look forward. Mm -hmm. So when you get something that's unusual, AI is going to struggle because it doesn't have a history to go back to. But it's certainly going to have an impact on clerical type of material. Accountants are going to use it not to replace accountants, but what will happen is that what used to take four accountants will take one because they can use AI to do the routine stuff. And we'll probably see a lot more of it in manufacturing. It's kind of an efficiency tool, mm -hmm. looking at what's going on in the plant and saying, well, if you did it this way, that would be cheaper. And if you did it that way. So it's, it's not doing anything that companies don't already do, but it does it a whole lot faster. And that makes people more inclined to use it. So my experience in working in radio my entire adult life is that generally when we have found ways for technology to do a job where you don't mm -hmm. need a person to do it, the person never comes back. We, right. You figure out a way for technology to do it, and that job never returns. Is that exactly. how it's going to work with the AI? It's probably, it's probably going to see a lot of people either forced out of certain jobs or pivoting. Um, given the fact that you've got AI coming at the same time that there's worker shortage, what is beginning to happen more frequently is retraining where the company doesn't want to lose that employee because they still need them, but they're going to redefine what they do and take the routine part out and have them do the stuff that isn't routine. And some people will adapt to it, some won't. I mean, I just got through going through a big conference around credit management, and AI is going to do a lot of that routine stuff, but it frees up the credit manager to do the more difficult stuff. And... So from their perspective, it may replace some of the lower-level credit managers, but it will put more emphasis on the higher-level credit managers because they won't have to mess with the routine stuff. Companies are going to do a lot of experimenting with AI. Some will like it, some won't, uh, and, and it will be a tool similar to the kind of conversation we've had when cell phones came in or when computers came in. I mean, when they first arrived, it was like, oh, they're going to replace everybody. Well, no, yeah. they'll replace a lot, but we'll kind of adapt. It is incumbent upon people, as it has been for 10, 20 years now, to constantly be reinventing themselves. You know, it's like what you did for a living 10 years ago is probably not what you're doing now, and it probably isn't what you're going to be doing 10 years from now. We're talking with Chris Keel, economist from Armada Corporate Intelligence. I want to shift gears here for a second and talk about mortgage rates. And mm -hmm. real estate. Um, I'm sniffing around at houses, as I do every so often. And in the span of a week, the interest rate that I was going to be able to get for a loan went from a little over 6% up to 7%. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. what's driving rates? Well, you're seeing a lot of ferment in the housing sector because you're starting to see some demand come back, and that has allowed some of the rates to come back up. Plus, there's a lot of kind of cautionary speculation. Everybody assumes, and probably correctly, that the Fed will lower rates by some amount by the end of the year. So a lot of companies, a lot of potential buyers of homes or anything else are kind of waiting to see what happens when that happens. So they're assuming that there's going to be a little bit of a decline in in loan rates, mortgage rates, and they're right. The timing is the critical part. In the meantime, you'll have people that really can't wait for whatever reason, and therefore they're going to be paying slightly higher rates as companies, frankly, take advantage of the fact that they have to move faster. I mean, you've got people who get transferred and they've got to buy a house and all that stuff. But in general, the single-family market has started to come back a little bit, and the multifamily market is beginning to diversify. It had been really focused on upper-end apartments, and now it's beginning to broaden just a little bit. But it depends entirely on the area. Like real estate has always been location, location, location. <laughs> yeah, in fact, I'm seeing stories now um, encouraging people, saying it's it's a good time to rent. In that fight mm-hmm. between getting a mortgage or renting, you know, rental rates were up too because there right. was there was just a fight for where people were going to live. And now right. there are stories saying, you know, you might be better off renting for a while. Yeah. I mean, it really depends on, on the, the lifestyle. It's like people make those decisions kind of based on where they are in life. I mean, if you're pretty flexible and you can move anywhere you want, even change cities, renting makes a great deal of sense because you haven't settled down yet. Then all of a sudden you have kids, and it's like, well, I can't really shift out of the school district. I'm pretty well stuck. Maybe I do need to buy. But, again, it depends on how secure you feel in the job you're in and if you want to stay in the community. Basically, buying a house is a commitment to job and community. You're like, okay, it's not going to be easy for me to leave now, so I better be sure this is where I want to be. Any financial news that we should be looking ahead to coming up? Well, I think the only real issue is is that interest rate change. We know that there's going to be a change. The question is, is it going to be two or three or four quarter point cuts? Is it going to be third quarter? Is it going to be fourth quarter? The Fed reacted a little bit to the inflation numbers last week and said, look, we're not in a hurry to drop rates. I mean, everything looks pretty solid if it's you know, be honest about it. The unemployment rate is still low. You know, there's still activity in the economy. We're still growing. So we're not facing a recession. We can afford to wait, and they might. I mean, there's certainly enough hawks within the Fed. And if you look at the latest dot plot, they're all over the place. I mean, there are three, four hawks and three or four doves. And and I've never seen a range quite this dramatic because they're all trying to speculate really more what's going to happen in 25 than what happened this year. We will definitely keep our eye on it, as always. Uh, Chris Keel, Armada Corporate Intelligence, we appreciate it. We know you're busy at a conference, so we appreciate you taking the time. (laughs) No problem. Thanks. All right, coming up in the next hour, why a mural on the side of a building in western Kansas is now the subject of a lawsuit. Get to that coming up here on KMBZ. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. 
news. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.